Hello and welcome to Questonia, the place where we ask the questions that we think need answering in Estonian news and culture. I'm Stuart Garlick and with me is Maris Hellrand. Today, as a welcome break from talking about terrible things politicians have done or the global pandemic, we've got... um, a bit of a music discussion because uh, Velio Tornis is one of these one of these significant figures in Estonian music and also Estonian history generally. And uh, he would have turned ninety on August the seventh this year. Uh, due to other events, we weren't able to cover him at that time. But uh, we're speaking in a moment to renowned Estonian uh, musician Kadri Vorand of. Um, her solo music and also the a cappella group Estonian Voices, which you can hear now performing Tornis' music, courtesy of Maris Aliaster and Linda Lise Ek, formerly of VLMD Vibes, about her impressions of Tornis and his legacy. Uh, Maris, you've done a lot of reporting on Tornis this year. Uh, why is he important and uh, what would you like to mention to the audience? He get to my sort of um, conscious uh, summer indeed when uh, when his 90th anniversary was celebrated and uh, I happened to uh, attend a concert in Gurevema in the, at the, the farm where he was actually born which is about 50 kilometers east from Tallinn uh, a choir organized a performance in the open air that was um, to uh, awaken the birds so the the concert started at 5 a.m and it was a a truly amazing spiritual experience because that was actually the time when the sun rose and uh, and uh, truly the birds uh, uh, start to sing at that time so they started to sing along with the music of dormis and to experience that brought back a lot of a lot of memories uh, from uh, 80s when um, his music was performed uh, and played a lot in Estonia. And uh, yes, so we've been um, surrounded by Dormis's music during the last month or so a lot. Um, and uh, there have been, uh, there have been uh, films and programs made about him and rescreened about him so it's it's uh, truly uh, uh, worthwhile to take this half hour and uh, and uh, talk about uh, the meaning of Tormis his legacy and how how he has influenced the Estonian culture and perhaps uh, the world and another thing before we uh, uh, talk to Kadri that I wanted to mention is that uh, actually Velja Tormis' uh, music is uh, very well accessible now virtually for uh, people interested in it worldwide. So there is a website called veljadormis.com which includes uh, a brilliant archive of his recordings, of performances, uh, sheet music, uh, it's it's a great resource and it's a growing resource. So who is interested in to find out more after this uh, after listening to this podcast, veladormis.com uh, is the place to go. Fantastic. Well, I think with uh, no further ado, we should probably play the interview. So uh, here's our discussion with musician and songwriter Kadri Vorand about Velio Tolmis. 
Magli Vorand, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. And um, obviously, you're a successful musician in your own right. Uh, you've been part of Estonian Voices. You've been uh, a solo artist. And uh, recently, you duetted with Mikkel Malgand um, for um, an album, which I, I think came out two years ago, which was excellent. Um, but uh, we, we want to talk to you about Valiant Tolmis because um, I remember back to 2016 at uh, the Jazz Car Festival, uh, you performed with uh, Lisey Coigson, Paul Daniel and Yark Swar, um, and um, you put together an excellent uh, performance uh, in tribute to him. Now, it would have been his 90th birthday uh, on August the 7th, and I thought maybe I'd begin by just asking, um, what does Valiant Tolmis mean to you as an artist? Velia Dormis is a composer that I've been singing uh, since, I think, my teenage years. And and Velia Dormis is also important in my personal life because uh, he is one of the reasons that my mom is still leading up until this day a group called uh, Lohema Rafa Musikut, uh, which means Lohema Folk Musicians. And and that group is still existing, and that was uh, uh, called into action by Velja Tormis and Igor Tenorist, and and they uh, they invited my mom to lead this group, and and so those are I guess the one one starting point uh, for in my life uh, that has Velja Tormis partly in so. Yes, one is this uh, folk ensemble that my mom leads, and the other one is that I started singing Meilatorm's music in a mixed choir in my teenage years. And he's obviously uh, one of the landmark composers, and he's pretty important to the history and culture of Estonia. Um, Maybe for those, uh, because we do have an international audience, for those who aren't fully aware of his legacy, you could kind of sketch out why you feel he's so important for the recent history of Estonia. Um, of course, uh, mainly because he uses the most essential part of our music in his compositions like the folk uh, folk tunes as a substance substance for his uh, compositions is very essential and very original and it's not only something we could call arrangements that's why we call these uh, pieces compositions because they're very very uh, unique way of approaching to folk music i think and that has been noticed around the world so that's that's I think the reason why why many uh, non-Estonians know Velia Dormis as well. Hmm. And um, he he's definitely uh, caught the popular imagination, but uh, he's quite often uh, associated in the mind with Arvo Part, who obviously is uh, five years younger. He's um, eighty-five this year. Um, would you say that uh, in their own ways they are of equal importance, if you like, to uh, not only Estonian culture but to um, to um, the the music world in general? And um, uh, so, how do their legacies differ, and how are their similarities in their legacies, if you like? I have been thinking about this uh, question before, and uh, I'm not quite sure why we compare those two. I guess one reason is because they're 
probably the most known composers from Estonia in the world. So that's one of the main reasons we compare them. But I think in their musical language, they're quite different. And of course, uh, in, in that sense, you can compare anyone to anyone. <laughs> because it's like, of course, they, they both, um, I think, have a certain element of uh, pure beauty in their music. Uh, there is no purpose to uh, make a non-reasonable tension in the room. I, I think the, the release moment is in both uh, composers' works. And uh, I mean that, the, yes, I think the, the musical release in the sense of beauty and, and pure harmony and... and uh, and um, clear message in melodic line. And I think that's, that's something that's similar in their work. And but, um, it, it's, yeah. also, it's also something present in your music. I mean, obviously, you've led an a cappella group, Estonian Voices, uh, which is still going. And um, in your solo jazz music as well, uh, you, you, can, you can hear that use of silence and uh, your... Um, um, you're not afraid to give the music space to breathe, as you said a minute ago. Um, is that something that you've maybe got directly from listening to Tormis's music? Um, I think definitely Tormis's music has affected me as a musician. Of course, it's hard to say which part of my life has affected my music strongest, but uh, in the most strong way, I mean. But uh, I think that... the. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I think that the, the clear message is the, one of the most important uh, elements in my music as well. Uh, if if that's if that's what you mean in the similarities. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, I I mean I I was trying to get a picture of how much of an inspiration he'd been on your career, but I'm I'm sure he has, and I'm sure he's been an inspiration on many other people's careers. Um. One other thing I wanted to do um, at the beginning of this chat was to get a kind of a primer for Tolmy's music for uh, people who maybe aren't so familiar with Estonian music in general and want to uh, come in um, and listen to kind of some of the lighter, more introductory easier to understand music he's made and then perhaps some more advanced music for the hardcore fans who want to... Um, get deeper into his legacy and uh, find out more. What would you suggest as a beginner's uh, track or a beginner's composition of Tolmises? Well, of course, for people who like choir music, and choir music is Tolmises' most uh, important part, I think. Uh, Tolmises' works uh, in, in the choir music are most uh, known as well. And for me personally, Hungarian Evenings is uh, a cycle that has touched me most uh, since my teenage years, since uh, singing those pieces for the first time in my life. And of course, next to that, uh, easy listening is Estonian wedding songs. But for a foreigner, I think, the Hungarian evenings is uh, a little bit easier to, uh, to grab, um, I think, the 
uh, the again the emotional message inside the music because uh, maybe I don't know of course because I'm not objective because the Estonian wedding songs is based on folk music that I know since my childhood and and maybe I have too much emotional connection to that uh, wedding song cycle the 17 Estonian wedding songs but I still recommend it because it's quite easy to follow and listen in characteristics as well to kind of imagine the 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 moment when the bride is sent away from her home and uh and kind of imagine again when uh, the 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 family is teaching the young bride like what to do in in your new part of life or teaching the the groom <laughs> so it's quite uh, quite uh, characteristic also in music so yeah in the end i would recommend those those two cycles as as a first sight for uh, easy listening but of course the most essential dormis is curse upon iron uh, which i personally like uh, singing as well it's uh, it's originally written for a mixed choir again and this is one of his most known pieces, I think, around the world. Probably so, the, the most yeah. performed one as well, and uh, the most uh, the most uh, listened to one. So definitely uh, the the best uh, the best known piece. It's based on the Finnish um, epic story of Kalevala, and uh, and it is a it is a very very powerful powerful piece, which also had a um, a strong political message actually at the time mm -hmm. so uh, Tormis has been very um, very uh, clear about also including uh, political big issues in his music and has explained and interpreted it himself in that way in an era of uh, cold war uh, where we lived behind the iron curtain um, in yes. that case, it, it's a question to both of you, really. Um, how important was it for an artist in that Cold War era to keep the political leanings hidden? Uh, obviously, you can put a message in, in the music, but to what extent did it have to be a covert message? That was uh, actually, in Tormis's case, it was a um, very, very uh, clever move because he based his music, as Kadri explained, on uh, folk tunes and um, sort of the official Soviet music ideology was uh, supporting folk music. So it was really easy to hide behind this um, folk music um, uh, layer, sort of, and uh, do your own stuff. Because what, uh, like also to uh, for our international listeners who are maybe not so familiar, what uh, what other um, important achievement there is uh, that we can when we look talk about Dormis's legacy is that he he uh, sort of single handedly dug up and saved uh, the whole musical heritage of Finno-Ugric people, um, not just in Estonia in or or the Leaves or or Ingrians around here, but also. The Finno-Ugric tribes in in Siberia, where we hardly have any um, 
any people left who even can speak the languages, uh, let alone uh, remember the melodies. So Dormis, by uh, researching uh, uh, these melodies and uh, using them in his compositions, made it accessible and basically saved the life of this uh, music and these cultures. And uh, it's uh, it's really uh, it was it was uh, uh, somehow very emotional for me to hear Kadri speak of the Ingrian uh, evenings because uh, that's also like from my from my teenage years it uh, that was like uh, one of the strongest <laughs> concert emotions I remember this Lila Lila and uh, and these these uh, pieces performed by the uh, Philharmonic Chamber Choir. Uh, so uh, these were these were pieces of music that didn't have an explicit political message in their text at all, by no means. But somehow he incorporated the the deep sense of belonging, of the roots, of uh, freedom uh, in his in this music. So, and I, uh, I and I. Uh... I think you said, uh, Maris, some very, very right uh, uh, points, and uh, that uh, in in your last part, uh, which would I like to fill a bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the harmonic language in Dormis's music uh, speaks for emotion very strongly, and if a text. Uh, uh, I, I mentioned message earlier, but uh, I mean, whatever story you have, if, if you have a good story to tell that uh, has actually happened in the real life, then it has an emotional, uh, strong emotional uh, input in it. And and Dormis, uh, I think, has done wonderful work by uh, using the right uh, ways to stress the melodies. And to bring out the emotional part in the in the story, and if you can really create a high level of emotions, then that speaks to any listener. And mm. and if you can move a listener, and and the listener knows that these stories are from a real place, let's let's say from an Ingeri land, then then it it's just uh, something that has probably. Um, been uh, working as a wake-up call to to many many people outside in a outside of Estonia as well mm -hmm. to actually notice because if you're moved uh, by music uh, in your deep emotional being then then you start to think further uh, on so it's it's uh, it's it's not uh, only about sending the practical message out that hey there are people who cannot even speak the language anymore but if you can do it in such powerful method as Stormis has done through music then that's that, that's that's i think one of the strongest things you could do to change the world <laughs> yes amazing story about that was uh, when uh, Dono Kallusta i believe uh, uh, was uh, leading um, um, it was a world, sort of a world choir Olympics or a, a big world international choir gathering somewhere in Spain. And uh, Dormis himself had suggested to uh, sing some of his pieces in English translations. 
and uh, they uh, they rehearsed that, and the singers from all from like uh, 30 countries, everyone said, no, no, we want to do the original. So um, in that way, he has also used the language, the original languages of uh, of the Finno-Ugric tribes in a way that the language carries the music, that people can understand the music and the message and the emotion without a linguistic translation, which is uh, which is really amazing. If we think of uh, um, today's uh, uh, majority of pop music, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, just to come in, because you made some excellent points there about the Finno-Ugric tribes and about uh, Ptolemy's appreciation for and kind of um, uh, resurrection of their culture. Um I mean, in the Estonian National Museum in Tartu, which has been open for, I think, three years now, uh, there was a a side exhibition called Echoes of the Urals, which was an interactive exhibition about uh, how the language has evolved and changed and uh, where the uh, original uh, Finno-Ugric tribes came from. Um, What... I mean, the answer might be obvious to uh, to both of you, but uh, it's maybe not to myself or some listeners. Uh, wh- why are those tribes gradually dying out? And uh, why is the knowledge of the history dying out? And to what extent can any musician help to preserve that um, alongside, for example, literature, alongside historians, uh, alongside other artists and so on? Well, the answer is the tribes or the the nations are are dying out because they um, they uh, live in, or have always lived in the within the Russian Empire, you know, the Russian Federation. They don't have a great deal of uh, cultural autonomy, and um, their their languages are not um, taken care of, and uh, also some of the languages never actually developed into a uh, proper. Um, literary language. So um, some of the Finno-Ugric tribes, like um, the Estonians, Finns, and Hungarians, have been uh, luckier than the others, because we have also some smaller Finno-Ugric languages just nearby. The le- uh, the Leaves, for example, uh, who uh, used to live in the uh, northwestern corner of Latvia, that they they don't exist as a as a nation any longer or as a as a language, uh, and uh, that's just um, the cause of um, history and bigger events. Statehood uh, always helps. Um, how could someone new to him kind of learn to appreciate that? And uh, in in what ways is is the history coming through in the music, if you like? Me as a as a folk musician since my childhood, uh, I was lucky to born into a folk musician's family. So I and and I was raised up with a lot of stories because the Estonian runog song or regi laul as we call it uh, has um, has the most important. Uh, mm, well, the most important part in it is telling stories. Like the, the songs are sometimes very, very long <laughs> because the story is long and there are a lot of details 
funny details, just everyday details, very practical uh, facts in the in the music. And if you look into all those hundreds of songs, then there's a lot of history written in it as well. Different wars are in the songs, and and the way that everyday like the the normal people. Uh, have experienced it in their everyday life, in love, and and uh, to those stories, I think anyone uh, can associate to. And and this uh, uh, all all these stories through folk music are inside of uh, Dormis's music. And uh, as we already mentioned, you don't have to understand all the lyrics because if the music is. Uh, interpreted or, or um, uh, composed through in an in an honest emotion then uh, then the story comes through anyway so i think if we ask uh, from a listener do you want to hear a very exciting story and then she or he says yes then i say that okay go, go and listen to some dormis <laughs> mm. um, I was listening. And, yeah. I, I was I was listening to his music um, um, this morning, actually. And uh, one th one thing that grabbed me, and one thing I, I wrote down because I thought, well, that would be something interesting to talk about, was that um, even in a piece of you know five minutes, um, su such as "Ara le Nurikut," uh, "Don't hit the youngster," I believe it translates as. Um, mm -hmm. What struck me was. It was incredibly moving, and it didn't take long for me to be moved by it. Um, that's a bit like a pop song in that sense, because because a pop song, as you know, you know, you, you've got to grab someone within three minutes. In that way, I'd say Tullamis was close to a pop composer in the way that he manipulates the emotions so so quickly. Uh, for me, it's always a goosebump uh, effect. I mean, even um, to listen Kadri talk about uh, some of the pieces, I, I have goosebumps and. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> but any any good music actually should should touch emotionally. Another mm. thing that is quite interesting, I think, is that uh, like uh, probably the biggest contribution of his was to make these melodies and this heritage accessible, which has led to many rearrangements and reinterpretations. So he was actually himself quite open to other musicians and other composers rearranging his pieces, which were in a sort of direct sense already uh, rearrangements of uh, old uh, original uh, melodies. So um, I wonder, Kadri, what, uh, if um, I'm, I'm not sure I'd, if I've I haven't uh, sort of listened to everything you've done, but uh, would uh, would you see a crossover moment to your jazz interpretations as well from Dormis? Or have you done any any of his pieces in your more jazzy life? Or would that be something that you would like to do? I have composed... Uh... Uh, an arrangement uh, of the very same song that Stuart mentioned, Don't Hit the Newlywed, and mm. uh, uh, sung it with Estonian voices. And I think what I took from Tormis was the uh, kind of the basic of um, the ba basic har harmonic choice 
and I extended it to uh, maybe a little more full uh, full voicing for Estonian voices. And, and I stretched it uh, also into an improvisational open end part. Uh, but I think mm, that the emotion is already inside the harmonic choice for this melody from the folk music. And this already sets uh, us uh, in this uh, kind of very uh, soft uh, spot uh, listening uh, point where where you just feel a lot of love and uh, and i think uh, that uh, even dormis maybe okay this song is kind of a pop song but a lot mm. of songs uh, actually have already been arranged by dormis in a very jazzy way uh like, uh, let's say, Surma Mähkimise Laul. I don't know what's the English uh, translation to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, it's uh, also a very, very uh, cool song, especially uh, by the choice of harmony. And there are very jazzy chords throughout the whole song. And it's... Uh, but meantime, I think that's a very... Uh, exact uh, uh, emotion for the song that the that the harmony speaks for so again i i just admire velio dormi so much for simply composing uh with the right emotion so i he's the, he's he's just a very good storyteller and knows what uh, melodies uh, uh, what is the emotion in the melody and what he has to do to bring out the emotion because if you choose wrong harmony or wrong rhythm, then the listener will be confused. Uh, but he kind of has been going into the into the message and sensed it. And I mean, the harmonies that go into very modern classical composing uh, language, and also, as I already mentioned, jazz language, and as Stuart mentioned, sometimes into pop language. So I, I, I admire when a composer is so open to all kind of uh, ways to compose, uh, having the main goal in mind all the time, and that's just to uh, move the listener. And I, that's the thing I admire. Uh, this year obviously um, has been the year of the global pandemic and we haven't had much chance to uh, hold big events and festivals. So uh, perhaps the Ptolemy's tribute that might have been has been um, uh, hamstrung a bit. But uh, have you taken part in any tribute concerts thus far for Ptolemy's and will, will, you be, uh, will you be involved in any Ptolemy's tributes in the rest of the year, do you think? I was uh, already involved on his uh, uh, birthday uh, in uh, in Viljandi with uh, Velja Dormis Quartet, where Jaksoar, Paul Daniel and Lisi Koikson were on stage with me. Unfortunately, this year we won't have any more Dormis' concert. We had our last one a couple of weeks ago and yeah, that's the situation right now. But uh, we, I was already lucky to have at least that big gala concert in Viljandi. Yeah. 
Um, and um, as as for your other musical activities, uh, what can um, can can we expect anything from you this year? Um, are, are you are you writing and are you writing a new album? Um, and um, um, what 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 are your plans for when hopefully th- things open up in the world a bit more next year? Uh, my last album with Michael Melgant was released uh, one year ago last summer in Estonia and it was released worldwide uh, in early spring this year so I think uh, this winter is a little too early for our next album but uh, we have several new songs with Michael and we plan to uh, release maybe one or two of them very soon let's say in uh, in late autumn or winter and uh, I'm also at this moment writing uh, at the same time many different pieces for uh, a cappella band Estonian Voices, which this year is 10 years old. And wow. to celebrate this event, we're going to uh, present uh, five and maybe actually even six brand new songs in our Christmas jazz concert. So, uh, yeah, I'm currently working on this project as well. So, yeah, my main two things are still my duo with Michael Melgand and the Acapella Group Estonian Voices. And me and Michael, of course, our um, summer was a little bit different from what it was supposed to be because we were supposed to have a very first kind of uh, uh, CD presentation tour in in europe that was a little bit more than it has been so far like concerts here and there a little bit throughout the year but now it was a real cd presentation tour and most of it was cancelled so some of the concerts are at least postponed to the next summer and uh so we really look forward to have those concerts and some of them already start in january that were postponed so let's just hope that in January the world is back to where it's supposed to be and then we can continue from where we left off this uh, project in, in spring. This podcast made you curious about uh, Velio Tormes and his music and you want to find out more, find out good resources, then Velio Tormes' virtual archive at uh, veljotormes.com is a good place to start with. That includes a lot of his um, performances, um, uh, recordings and also sheet music. Thank you for listening to Christonia. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.